1: Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy podcast, where we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir, and today celebrates six years of All Things Therapy podcast. And I want to thank you for keeping me coming back each week. It's because of your support and the reviews and the emails that I have continued to do weekly episodes. I didn't expect to be here six years later when I started. I was just led by a vision to speak out and reach more people on topics of emotional health, spiritual development, and well-being. And here we are six years later. Thank you. Please keep subscribing, rating, and reviewing all things therapy, as well as sharing it with your loved ones. And I'd love to connect with you through social media, you can find me at NOLA Therapy, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy. Well, I just gave my website, but on social media, I'm also at NOLA Therapy and I post things having to do with certainly this podcast as well as fitness. Fitness is a love of mine. I used to be a fitness instructor and I've retired from that formally, but working out is one of my happy places as well as just kind of sharing what I do day to day in either New Orleans or Los Angeles. And you can also find links to book sessions to work with me individually. Today is episode 290, and I just couldn't think of a better way to celebrate six years of All Things Therapy than by having on a dear friend, a mentor, a woman I love. She is a powerhouse of an individual, and she's been on All Things Therapy four or five times. Today, we're going to talk about her third book, and we are with Aura Nadrich, who is a sought-out expert in the field of mindfulness, meditation, and personal transformation. Aura hosts events and retreats worldwide in places like Rhythmia in Costa Rica, 1440 Multiversity in Northern California, locally in Los Angeles, Malibu, and elsewhere. Aura has been a blogger for the Huffington Post. She's the founder and president of the institute for transformational thinking of which i am a certified thought coach and we've talked about all three of her books on this show i want to highlight that her second book live true is named one of the hundred best mindfulness books of all times that's freaking amazing and today we are discussing this most recent book i'm holding it up if you are watching on video on YouTube or Facebook, this book, Mindfulness and Mysticism: Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness, and this book contains a really beautiful forward by His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama and or I just want to welcome you today to our show.
2: Hi Lisa, thank you so much for having me back again.
1: You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. And as I said, in a moniker, I share it with my clients and certainly on this show over the years. And it's been a progression that you've led us starting with Says Who, a book really focusing on the arena of our thoughts and how to work with our thoughts to start to believe what we really want to believe can be possible for us And then in your second book, Live True, where you give specific meditations and affirmations and mantras that we can use in in that more ethereal realm. And now with mindfulness and mysticism, I'm really excited for you to get into things here that you talk about regarding spiritual initiations, what mystical experiences are and how we can have them in our lives daily. And I just kind of wanted to open that up to you to start
2: great well yes I'm so happy that you're familiar with all of my books been on with the books that are very mindfulness based do you know and you know says who was more of a cognitive approach to working with our thoughts but I think all of my books if you really tie them all together there is a there is this sort of uh, thread or cord if you will that that goes through them all which is very thought based it's all about transformation mindfulness and being in the present moment and now with mindfulness and mysticism i wanted to take mindfulness to a whole other level i really wanted to take it to a, a, a just a, a level an area if you will that i did not see it before do you know okay and With Live True, I combined mindfulness with the authentic self, and I'm finding that this is so based on my own inquiry, my own desire to know how do we take present moment awareness and plug that into others with meaning, and that's really what inspired me to write the book on mindfulness and mysticism. Do you know to to just to take a a deeper dive into areas that uh, perhaps most people are not aware of and bring them on that journey of awareness
1: or mindfulness and mysticism is so important. And, and I'm, You know, even yesterday with a client, she asked me, she's struggled with some addiction issues. And she was like, Lisa, why am I drawn to use drugs? Like, why do we do this? And it really, your book addresses at the core and heart of how we look outside of ourselves for peak experiences, to feel happy, to give ourselves, as you talk in your book, the neurotransmitters in our brain to get that boost, that jolt of be it dopamine or serotonin so that we can feel better. We can feel alive. And and people are sourcing that from outside, and in you you know, in inside of ourselves, where all of this really lies. Can you can you talk about some of that with us, please?
2: Yeah, and I'm glad that you you know started the conversation off about going into the area of addiction because I really do present that in even in the introduction of the book, I talk about how our brain chemistry mimics you know a medicine chest, if you will, and that. The whole idea of you know taking mindfulness and mysticism and you know bringing present moment awareness with higher states of consciousness, you take the drug experience that a lot of people reach out for drugs and alcohol and stimulants because they want to get higher. You know they want to take themselves higher, yes. whether you're trying to anesthetize yourself or numb mm-hmm. yourself out. But you know think of that word. You want to get high. Yes. And so what does that really mean? You know, for me, I thought that's very rich in meaning. And, you know, I bring up, you know, uh, uh, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous about how he himself had a very mystical experience. And from that point onward. He never drank again. Do you know Bill Wilson? Mm-hmm. I it's Bill yeah, Wilson. Bill. Yes, Bill Wilson. So I, this is very rich. This is very deep here to go into these areas and to really delve into what is it about the human condition that makes us want to, you know, m- make the moment richer. You know, by using things outside of ourselves, stimulants and distractions and drugs and alcohol, which really have a price attached to them, unfortunately, because what is it that we are striving for? What is it that we're longing for? And then you couple that with mindfulness, which is being in the present moment, Well, whether you're on substances or not. A lot of times people want to get out of the moment because they don't feel it's good enough.
1: Yes. It's not
2: that pleasure. Thoughts. This is all thought related. You know, this is all integrally connected. You know, it really is.
1: You know, something you said as you're speaking, Aura. I'm reminded of your your book signing event the other day. And it was such a beautiful statement you made around having to do with and I'm this is just my paraphrase like resisting the moment we're in or thinking we're on our way to a better moment and you said something that felt so soothing around um you know what's wrong with this moment like this very moment do you remember that like just allowing can yeah. you can you speak yeah, to that cuz it you know, really I, like resonated
2: i do lisa i talk about you know and i've done i've done meditations on this in groups as you know you've been there you know Where i say find your enough find your enoughness what is it about us that constantly is longing for more? There's nothing wrong with desiring more, but we have to define what that really means to us. Is it because we now? now yes, there are many people that do feel dissatisfied with what they have. But if you're always looking to, you know, enhance the, the moment that you're in, that in itself can become a type of addiction. So, you know, finding our enoughness, finding yeah. out like why isn't this moment enough? You know, those are very important questions to ask ourselves. You know, is this moment enough? Am I trying to escape this moment? If I'm not in this moment, where am I? You know, a study out of Harvard cites that our mind wanders almost 50% of the time. Where is it? Well, we know where it is. It's either in the past, which is come and gone. Just, you know, be with that for a minute. It has come and gone. It was the present and now it's the past. So people are oftentimes lamenting, wishing that the past were different. You can't undo the past or we're anticipating the future, which isn't here yet. And we attach a lot of what happened. Where are the hardest times in the present. We need to work on that. We need to say, why is it so hard for me to be in this moment? Why am I trying to always escape from this moment? Why am I always trying to make this, the next moment better than the moment that I'm right now? These become habits, do you know? Yes. And this becomes a self fulfilled prophecy of dissatisfaction.
1: It does. Or will you define mysticism for us? You know,
2: mysticism has for me, different meanings, if you will. You know, when I was exploring it and I found out that some of my own experiences going back to my childhood or moments that felt very hard to put into words were in fact mystical experiences. I love the definition by the Christian mystic Evelyn Underhill. And she says that mysticism is, mysticism is being in union with reality. Deconstruct that from my own from my perspective, it's being at one with. Okay, so that connotes oneness. And with reality, well, what is your reality? And what is my reality might not be the same thing. So it means to me that we are in union with something that holds greater meaning for us. And that brings up the divine, you know, whether that's divine. In a religious context or a spiritual context? Are we at one with the divine presence? You can call it whatever you want. Is it God? Is it a God-like entity or deity or presence? Is it unity consciousness? You know, these are spiritual definitions for connecting to something that is not just about the material plane, but it is of the spiritual, It could be of the etheric realm. It's really what connects us to something that gives greater meaning to our life. And therefore, the mystical experiences are the kinds of experiences that connect us us to something that feels holy, sacred, divine. And oftentimes, people feel they only experience that in a religious context. And if you know, if you've read my book, I say this is not a book. This is not a religious book. This is that we're taking something that would be thought of as only in a religious context and we're bringing it into a 21st century um, environment, if you will, to redefine what mysticism is of our time today.
1: And mysticism, it's not a word that we hear often. And I think It it is often connected with, say, religion versus spirituality, which I also think of as these true peak experiences originating from within ourselves. And even when you just defined it and spoke about our connection with reality, I think of ultimate reality. You talk in your book about universal principles, and it's what I believe we're really reaching for, whatever language or words you use. It's this experience of where we came from, of really, I think we all have a sense there is something bigger. And whatever words you use, when we're unified with that, whether it's in nature or in some sort of peak experience, like, like experience where we just feel satisfaction. You know, I think that's where we're in connection with this, with the divine, as I heard you say. And I wonder how, when you introduce this to people, are they like, I think there's such a hunger for it. Like, how is it being received? I guess.
2: It's being received magnificently, you know, better than I could have imagined because, you know, writing a book, you know, I've written books on mindfulness before, but when you bring a word like mysticism into a title, you don't know how people are going to respond to that. You know, many people might think mysticism, what's that? That sounds so esoteric The mystical and very mysticism. I want to bring it into the foreground of our awareness, so that we can enter into that place of knowing that mysticism isn't something that's only available to people in in these rarefied worlds, if you will, or just mystics. You know that you read about, you know, religious mystics or people that walk this earth that live this sort of alternate reality. It puts it too much out there, and Mm -hmm. I want to bring what we perceive as out there. closer to our center, do you know, and who we are, to connect us up with what we, again, might define as something that feels religious and we have only experienced it in religious environments like churches, mosques, temples. People can go to houses of worship and suddenly they find themselves available to really receive, do you know, a messages, you. I'm wanting to take it out of these sort of limited environments, if you will, and say, no, 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 we don't only have to be in a house of worship to have those altered states of consciousness. We can be anywhere doing anything and have that connectedness to these different states of awareness and consciousness. You
1: know, or when you just said altered states of consciousness, it kind of lit up for me. Can you talk to us more about that, what that means, how we can have those and your experiences?
2: You know, there's different Um, consciousness really is awareness. You know, it's it's the awareness of life in the way in which connects us. Again, I feel that all of these definitions and all these words are really interconnected. Do you know? So when you say awareness, consciousness, how conscious am I? When you even say that, how just am I? Where am I? Am I? And the more aware we are, and the more awake we are, the more conscious we are. It widens the lens, Lisa. it's like you're looking through a camera lens and you start to see this panoramic vista of more things than maybe were in your view prior, because a lot of the times our view, our vantage point is narrow. Right. Do you know? So when you take the whole idea of consciousness, awareness, let's just connect consciousness to awareness. Okay. When you start to become a more aware person, widen that lens as I'm describing in, in the camera lens metaphor you start to see more. And by seeing more, you become more aware. And when you become more aware, you start to experience these different feelings, these different sensations that can feel like you're not just in a mundane realm of existence. Do you know? Oftentimes we're in that state. Most it's about be able to look at something, like I say, looking at a sunset or a sunrise can be a mystical experience. You and I could be sitting and looking at a sunrise or a sunset and you might be moved to tears. Right. Watching it. Or it might make you feel something that is hard to put into words, that's ineffable, it's indescribable. You know, this is when it touches us deeply, when we get moved profoundly. The only way we're gonna allow ourselves to do that is A, if we're present, B if we're open, and if we're receptive to receive the divine moving through us and being able to experience it by something as beautiful as letting nature, you talked about nature, nature is so exquisite that we can be moved profoundly by nature. You know, these are things that I would say are the mystical mystical experiences with it, not anymore. As-
1: and, and make it approachable and, experiential, as you were just talking, Oren, and about this wider lens, this broader vision. I know on one hand, you mean looking at the literal, at the physical, at your life at others in it from a broader place. Yet also, I sense you're talking about really those inner eyes of awareness that we perceive through our emotions and through our senses. And it takes, in my experience, being still allowing time to reflect where I'm not on the phone or computer or there's some noise on. Can you talk to us about how we can access more of that awareness of, you know, the universe, the divine wanting us to to feel supported and loved and, and connected?
2: You know, we are living in a time where our distractions on our devices you know we're all very dependent on our devices you know people are glued to them some people sleep with them you know it's like an, it's like an appendage of their actual it's like another limb do you know so we're really dependent on these distractions and it's only going to get more so there are more apps there are you know where people are just like swiping, whether it's these dating apps or what, there's nothing wrong with these apps per se. It's our dependency on them that can be concerning. And what it does, Lisa, is it takes us away more from just connecting to something like what I call in Live True, life gazing. Oh, yeah. It, it, it starts to be a substitute for connecting to life and nature and things like that, that really, you know replenish us in so many ways something like the metaverse, which i'm very virtual realms that we're being introduced to like is if this reality isn't good enough mm-hmm. you know let's get out of this reality and bring you into another reality that's virtual there's something yeah. really off about that to me do you know so we must be very mindful of how much of ourselves are we giving over to allow that to dominate us. And the next thing we know, we're really not able to connect to the divine. We're not able to connect to these realms that are really about nature, not only the nature around us, but our true nature. You know, we, if, we, if we're not careful, we're going we're to be completely taken over by these machines and this technology and these apps and our devices. And, you know, it's concerning. And I talk about that in the book that we must raise our awareness, which raises our consciousness or else we're going to be creating these things that are so much larger than life. Right. you to lose sight of it. Do you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I do. Interestingly, in my life, I started a few months ago at night just unplugging the Wi-Fi uh, from, the, from the wall itself. So it's not like around my house. And my dreams have gotten more clear and vivid. And in my dreamscape, like I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like things... That didn't happen before and just from unplugging my Wi-Fi at night. And then I'll take some moments to greet the day and meditate before I plug it in just to really unplug literally. And I found it to be so helpful. I wonder what practices you have, Aura, that you can offer to people watching and listening.
2: I'm very big on the way in which we begin our day and the way in which we end our day. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always say, I think you heard me maybe perhaps mention it at the book signing, that oftentimes people wake up in the morning and they're very rushed at, you know, at would you out into the world more in the act of doing and not necessarily supporting being, just beingness. Like here I am, I just woke up, I've just opened my eyes, you know, let me appreciate that I'm one more day alive. That connects, yes. you, that connects you to gratitude, do you know? So that's your jumpstart, not to immediately grab your phone and start to swipe or start to check in or start to go onto these different platforms and apps. If we really give ourselves that opportunity upon awakening to really connect to our heart chakra, to connect to gratitude, to be able to really acknowledge that we are one day alive, which then is our jumpstart for the day. So that's my go to first thing in the morning is to try not to immediately reach for my devices. You know that becomes a discipline. You really open up my curtains, and, you know, which is beautiful to me. You know, to be able to see the trees and see the birds flying across the sky. There's a lot of a lot of beautiful birds around where I live—hawks and eagles—and just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And or the clouds. You know, anything that's to do with nature, I want to start my day acknowledging that. So I highly recommend that, you know, be very mindful of what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. And, you know, I know that we're busy people, we have things to do. Okay, I get that. But remember to circle back the same thing at the end of the day, put your devices down and let that be a more contemplative time for you. Reflect on your day. How did my day go? What was my day about for me? What meaning did my day hold for me? What did I learn today? What were some of the lessons that I learned today? You know, to just sort of do, do a what I say, take your spiritual pulse. Mm, I so like that. both, that's the starting point and the end of the day point. That's very important to me.
1: You know, um, as you were just talking, Aura, something you said triggered me to. Want you to talk about in your book? You talk about, and I have notes when I'm looking down just to make sure I
0: hit everything with you in this
1: time today. So, our body's natural resources and ability to heal this is so important today that you talk about how our body it has a natural propensity to heal, and how can we activate that more through mindfulness, through mysticism, through awareness. And also self
2: care is really important. do you know what am I doing for myself in the area of wellness in the area of healing again, do you know when that when you think about that Lisa, what really is supportive of the wholeness the wellness of our being do you know that means making time for things that really give you pleasure not in a rushed, hurried kind of way and not in a frenetic kind of way. I'm talking about, again, slowing it down a bit, taking that mindful walk, be it on the beach or in, in an environment where you can literally look at this, the changing of the leaves or you can listen to the sounds of nature as you're walking, you know, or finding time to take that bath and light those candles and put some essential oils in your bath or preparing a meal and eating with a mindfulness practice, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do that really support our wellness and our healing and our wholeness. We have to make time for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking too, or going back to even your first book says who and the connection between our th- with health and well, Ora, say, you know, I, I don't know that I'm thinking throughout the day. I said, I said, sweetie, you you are thinking, you just might not be aware of what you're thinking. And as much awareness as you can bring to an emotional state you're having, especially a negative one, like, oh my gosh, what was I just thinking? Because it's there to really capture how that thought is affecting your emotions, which affects every cell in our bodies. And can you just talk to us some about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you... Mentioning that about your client, it makes me wonder, like, how connected are they to the thoughts that occupy their mind? Of course we're thinking. We can think up to 60,000 thoughts a day. We're not cognizant of every thought, but look at the thoughts that get our attention. They're the negative thoughts, the fear-based thoughts, the anxious thoughts, the critical thoughts. You know, those are the thoughts that mostly get our attention, but we're thinking for sure. We've got very busy minds. And I think what's really important is to be aware of the thoughts that occupy your mind. You know, is that a positive thought? Is it supporting my well-being? Is it useful to me? How is this thought useful to me right in this moment that I need it to be? Do you know? And when you start to have that dialogue with your thinking mind, you start to be aware that you are the arbiter. You are the curator, as I like to say. You're the one that Speaking and choosing the kind of thoughts you want to have occupying your mind. You're not being run ragged like there's somebody in your head controlling your thoughts. You know, they're yes. not. We are in control of our thoughts. Therefore, we have the ability to, as you know, Lisa, with my release and replace technique, we have the ability to replace any thought that does not serve our well being.
1: We do. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And I love in mindfulness and mysticism, you talk about, and it makes me laugh, how we can rein in our thoughts so they aren't thinking us and people so often have the experience of their thoughts thinking them and running them in circles, bamboozling them. I speak for myself as well, how that used to be the case. And the release and replace technique has been so powerful in my life to literally write out. And I'll do this with clients because I did it with myself for a long time. Like the the thoughts that caused me to feel bad. What is that thought? Like I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. And I write on the left side of a sheet where you have on your sticky notes, I replace this thought and I release this thought. And then I write on the right side, I replace it with, I am more than worthy enough. I am blessed. I am deserving. You know, when we really can start to consciously release and then replace and at first it felt artificial for me. Some of those feelings I was reaching for, but the more I even tweaked it, like, I want to believe I'm worthy. I want to believe that I'm doing well enough right now. And we start to kind of live into that experience.
2: Yeah, before you say that, it's okay to say, let me switch the thought of I'm not worthy to I am worthy. You know, I am valuable. i um, I, you know, I, my life matters. I matter you know, I, I consider myself to be a worthwhile human being, do you know, there's a lot of things you can switch it out to. And even if there's still that underlying thought that goes, you know, I'm kind of going through the motions, and I'm saying this, but I don't really feel that when you start to really say these thoughts to yourself and solidify it, and you start to really give up old core beliefs about yourself, a lot of those old core beliefs have been around for a very long time They go way back. you know, when you make a concerted effort to change them, even if let's say you're not feeling it in the moment, you're setting a whole new precedent in your thinking mind. And you're sending a message to your subconscious. Do you know, You're, Mm -hmm. you're like, you're storing these new thoughts into the container, if you will, of which your core beliefs are going to be stored. What do you want to store those core beliefs with new thoughts, thoughts that I am worthy, Do you know, that, um, that I am important, that I do mean something, you know, that I matter, you're really starting to create a whole new foundation of what you believe about yourself. And then you can draw from that. And these become formed new habits of thinking. And by the way, those new habits of thinking really ignite the neurotransmitters in our brain, Yes, and we no longer start to default to old patterns of thinking. We're developing new patterns of thinking. It's magnificent the way the brain works. It's you know the neuroscientific aspect of this is fascinating to me, that you know the plasticity of the brain, and that by feeding ourselves more positive thoughts, we're triggers you know, and forming new habits of thinking that are healthy. And wholesome as opposed to always defaulting to these old patterns of thinking that do not serve our well-being at all.
1: You know what I'm thinking, Aura, in mindfulness and mysticism, you talk about thought illumination. And that's coming up for me right now as you're talking, like taking the cognitive piece of things that I think is really important first. And then can you bring us into this more mystical experience of our thoughts and
2: their thought illumination for me again, because, you know, if we take the fundamental aspects of what I'm proposing right now about the release and replace, imagine you're letting go of a negative thought and you're replacing it with its positive counterpart. So that's an active decision that you're making in the thought processes. You know, you're really taking charge and agency over the thinking mind. Thought illumination is really your thought. You, come, you, you could literally have a day where suddenly your mind is just exploding. Yes. Like it feels like very special, magical type of thoughts that make you feel like you're accessing new dimensions of reality. Do you know? And I don't mean that in some airy, fairy way. I'm talking about that you start to be an open vessel to receive information, yeah. what I call accessing sacred truths of the universe. You're open. You're an open vessel, what we also call downloading. Yeah you know I mean, we can download all sorts of ideas well where are we downloading them from you know we're not we're not downloading it from our computer even though that's a computer term we're, where are we downloading this from i say this is these are the etheric divine realms that i'm talking about in the area of mysticism that if i'm downloading these ideas i can say okay no, or you could say you know. People who speak to God or what their idea of God or, or divine presence is, they ask to be used. They ask that that God uses them so that they can be of service to the betterment of mankind. You know, yes. that's to me the type of illuminated or illumined or illumination process of allowing yourself to receive this divine guidance.
1: I love what you're talking about. It's my favorite area of like reading and study. I read daily, um, like, new thought movement leaders, Ernest Holmes, Charles Hannel has been a book I have studied for over a year, like memorizing Aura. And you know, this is whole all about what you're saying, like really aligning our mind with the universal mind, which is an entity and energy that exists. And it it allows us to harmonize our life actually easier, where we're having these mystical experiences daily and the things we desire are magnetized towards us. And for me, I feel that in my heart, you know, I'll take a topic important to me. And usually that's in our mind and our head, we're working it and reworking it, but I'll move it down into my heart and imagine what it feels like to harmonize with that experience. And in your book, you know, I'm thinking you're talking, you talk about spiritual initiations. How do you view some of this kind of technology? To me, it is a technology.
2: Well, I have a lot of different um, meditations and what I call initiations or rituals in the book, you know, that if somebody really wants to experience that I have that bath ritual without giving it all away, but you know, water being in water, water is a very healing source. You know, it's, it's really um, to me, I, I'm very resonant to water. Mm-hmm. It's healing. It represents the unconscious you know, there's so much about water, people are baptized in water, it's a rebirthing, there's a lot of things for us to derive from that experience. So I have a whole initiation, really, that's about water. And I love that initiation, because somebody can really take themselves into that experience, and view it as a sacred experience that they're being initiated into connecting to something within themselves that will set them afoot to set them on this path of awakening, You know, these are steps that we can take and there's beautiful rituals to do. You know, there's numerous ones that are in the book and, you know, even something that I mentioned earlier, taking a bath, lighting candles, putting essential oils in the bath, you know, uh, evoking uh, mantras. There's a lot of different things that we can do that we feel that connectedness. We feel that we're connecting to whatever we want to connect to, Lisa. Yes. Experience with it. You know, a lot of the discontent of the spirit is when we feel disconnected. We're not connecting to source or we're not connecting to the divine you know realms of existence we are not connecting to someone or something and going back to to addiction that's why a lot of people reach out for something because they feel so disconnected they're not connecting to their own spirit they don't have a relationship to something that's that holds sacred meaning for them or holy and that's when you're reaching for something outside of yourself and you might not even know how to articulate it. But what you really want to do is you want to feel connected.
1: We do want to feel connected. And I, I know that we can ask to have more of these mystical experiences in our lives through synchronicity. And for me, it's things like the 11 of it, 12, you know, alignment. And I'm curious for you, Aura, do you have little things like that that have significance for you?
2: I have, you know, I've always felt like that I was aware of those whimsical, synchronistic, magical moments, even Mm -hmm. as a child. Do you know what I mean? Like if I found a shiny penny on the ground and then let's say I found a few in, you know, sort of consecutively, I knew that that was something that felt very magical, if not mystical to me, Mm -hmm. you know, or there were... Experiences that I remember as a young girl, woman, where I felt very psychically intuitive. I would think of somebody and then I would run into them. Yes. You know, I talk about that, those kinds of things, like the, the, the magical realms that we can go into, the supernatural, what could be considered mm-hmm. supernatural, that we have those abilities to access those things in ourselves. You know, a lot of people feel, oh, no, no, that's. I don't have the ability to do that. They are infinite. Well, you know, numbers have always had a big place in my life. You know, I've always been very resonant to numbers, whether it was addresses of where I lived or phone numbers, or I would see a number on the back of a license plate, and it was a number that I had just connected to earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the kinds of synchronistic moments where we can start to, really look at that. It's there all around us. We just don't necessarily see it, you know? And I,
1: yeah. I think it's what makes life start to feel more exciting and fun and what we're looking for and those altering experiences, you know, through addiction or through just even uh, distracting ourselves through all kinds of, uh, you know, apps and electronics. It's really what you're talking about, that life like surprising and delighting us, By the person you're thinking of calling. Like this stuff can really happen for you more and more.
2: And it will happen more and more because once you really open yourself up, and that's really the invitation that I offer of the reader in mindfulness and mysticism is that I want to really say, you can avail yourself to these experiences if you want to. You just have to kind of get out of your own way, do you know? (laughs) Yeah. you know, really say, yeah, I really want to go into the areas of what maybe is new for me or unfamiliar to me, or not known to me, but I'm ready to take that step. You know, that's always that's an initiation unto itself, Mm. wanting to take that step towards something that might feel unknown to you, maybe even a little bit intimidating, do you know, but what is it that's making you feel that way? It's usually fear. You know, so much fear is what keeps us from having a lot of sublime experiences in life because we're either, you know, trapped in our conditioning or we're afraid of being out of control or afraid of going towards the unknown. Well, when you're really open to experience that, you don't know what you might encounter, which could be so exquisite, so magical, so mystical.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. So in concluding, what what do our listeners and viewers need to know about that you have coming up and what's next on your radar that you're really excited about?
2: Well, I'm super excited to just continue to see mindfulness and mysticism get out in the world and the type of receptivity that I'm seeing is really exciting because that means that's showing me that more and more people are really receptive to this type of work. And I'm thrilled about that. I am uh doing a workshop coming up on April 7th uh which is mindfulness and yoga so people can go on uh eventbrite and look at that more closely if that's something that they're interested in doing I'll be uh teaching my mindfulness uh monthly at Soho House um, I'm going to be teaching uh, up at um, Omega Institute in October. Awesome. Um, with Dr. Ron Alexander, who yes. you know, yes, and doing some other book signings, which is all going to be listed on my website.
1: Okay, which which is the best website for people to go to?
2: Oranadrich.com. That's
1: what I thought. That's yes, Oranadrich.com. Or I've loved having you on again. I love you. Thank you for your spirit and your compassion and just, you're always so easy to be with and you can really, you know, make very complex issues digestible and approachable.
2: Thank you, Lisa. And I'm so happy to celebrate your anniversary with you.
1: Thank (laughs) you. I love that.
2: Yes. Thank you for having me again.
1: You're welcome. I'll see you soon and have you back on.
2: Yes. Wonderful. Bye. Bye.
1: That concludes my show today with Aura Nadrich. Learn more about what she is offering, including her book, Mindfulness and Mysticism. Aura Nadrich.com, O-R-A-N-A-D, R-I-C-H dot com. And I just love y'all. Thank you for keeping me here six years. I'm more inspired than ever to continue podcasting. Certainly there are those. Moments where it feels tedious and I question, you know, I don't have to do this, just quit. But it's really when I get another review and someone that I run into is like, oh my gosh, I've been listening to your show and, you know, it it spoke to me. Just thank you for that and keep it coming. All Things Therapy, go to the platform where you listen or watch and leave a written review. That means so much. You can also check out my Patreon crowdfunding campaign, Patreon is a platform for creators, artists, musicians, etc. And my page is at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. I thank my supporters there, Carrie, Joe, and others. All my love, and I'll be with you next week. Mwah. You're listening
2: to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.